0: morning, Arkansas. Your morning show is on the radio. Good morning, Kelly Perry. Good morning, Brandon Baxter. Here we are. Today's Wednesday, September 22nd of 2021. It is National Ice Cream Cone Day.
1: I'll celebrate that.
0: Come on now. So is it sugar cone or waffle cone?
1: Uh waffle cone.
0: Yeah, all the way, right? Yeah. I was at a Baskin-Robbins in Searcy, and I'm like, can I have the waffle cone, please? So I've had my the whole time. We're out of waffle cones today. I'm like, well, what are do you doing next? I just got a cup. Yeah. But who chooses the cup?
1: Sometimes if I get the cup, I put the cone on top of the cup so you so it doesn't get all messy. And then yeah. you can kind of crunch the cone all into the cup. And then you can eat your ice cream and your cone at one time. Ooh. Yeah.
0: I've never tried that. Double scoop? Uh, Yeah. Of course, double scoop. Same ice cream, different ice cream? Different. No. Gosh, you can't do that.
1: Strawberry and Rocky Road. Oh, that's
0: terrible. <laughs> that is not good. Uh, today's also National Elephant Appreciation Day. Aww. Uh, Dear Diary Day. Do you have a diary? Not currently. Did Did you ever have a diary? Yep. Can you bring your old <laughs> diaries? <laughs> yep. Let's do like a diary Friday or something oh, where we just goodness. read through your diary.
1: That could be fun.
0: I want the adult diaries, though. Like uh, when you were an adult. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Today's also the first day of fall. How would you describe this? The autumnal equinox? autumn know. equinox. It's the beginning of, it's the yeah. beginning of fall, the first day of fall. So Yay. I was reading a thing this morning that was talking about, uh, fall and that fall is not the favorite season, but I'll tell you right now, I kind of think it might be, and maybe it's just because I'm ready for the summer season to be over.
1: It's always been my favorite.
0: Is it? Mm-hmm. See, Leslie loves it too because yeah. you know, the warmer sweaters and outdoors and you can light a fire and s'mores and all that and stuff. The
1: colors are just pretty.
0: She put out, uh, the autumn stuff like pumpkin type stuff, mm-hmm three or four weeks ago, and I, I told think- her she needed to wait until it was actually fall.
1: Yeah, yeah. Looks uh, good.
0: Summer is the number one favorite season, though. Then it's followed by spring. Hmm. So winter is the least favorite. Yeah. Like, who's going to choose that one?
1: I, there's somebody.
0: We had friends who moved away to, golly, I don't, it might maybe it was Utah or mm-hmm. something like that, and they're like, no, it's really pretty, like two months out of the year, oh. and the rest of the year, it's pretty cold. It might not be Utah. Though. I think it may be, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, There was one more thing we could celebrate today, and this is a good one for uh, the ladies out there. If you're looking for something to do tonight, it is is girls' night out, not ladies' night. Yes. The girls' night out. So if you need a night with your girls to go and do whatever it is girls do, which I think it's probably jumping on the bed and like doing each other's hair.
1: Yeah, it's just like Greece. That's exactly what we do.
0: That's what I picture Uh when I think about girls hanging out.
1: Pillow fights, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, especially that. Uh So National Girls' Night Out because, well, girls just... Wanna In the middle of
2: the night, my body out. What you going to do with your life? Oh, Daddy, you know, you're still number one. But girls, they want to have fun. Oh, girls,
0: just want to have fun. So maybe you want to plan your night tonight and do things like a lady. National Girls Night Out Night Tonight. So enjoy that. Let's
2: throw one back on this day in country music with
0: Brandon Baxter in the morning. So the year was 2005, and Brooks and Dunn had the number one song in country music on this day. Yeah. Something country. I'll something country.
2: Crank up the band, play the steel guitar. Make it a little, less. rock this bar. Through back the time, down
0: on George Strange Junkie.
2: I'll
0: play something country. It was sixteen years ago today. This song was the number one song in country music. Dick's Brooks, Ronnie Dunn, hit after hit after hit.
3: time. She got this on and you can
0: Brooks and Dunn play something country. Back in 2005, this was sitting at the top of the country charts. Let's do this thing, y'all. Wednesday morning's here. We're going to play a lot of things country for you this morning on BBIT. Crank up the band, play the steel guitar.
2: Let's oh, rock so right this bar Threw back a shotgun I'm a George Strait and Junkie Play something country
0: Y'all play something
2: country
0: oh! Got your country fixed this morning On Arkansas morning show That's Brooks and Dunn. Play something country Number one on this day in 2005. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, y'all. Wednesday morning is here. We appreciate you getting up and starting your day with us. Right around 7.05 this morning, we kick off the K Fine Breakfast Club with our chat with Dr. Shane Spites. It's called Doc Talk. And the whole idea behind this is we know that a lot of you have questions about COVID, the pandemic, the masking, the vaccines, your kids, the schools, all that stuff. And uh, you don't have a doctor at your disposal every day just to call and ask questions to. So if you have something you want to know that affects you and your kids and your workplace and all that stuff, you can go to our social media uh, and uh, post your questions here. We'll ask those to Dr. Spites live on the radio this morning. So uh, you can go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brandon Baxter in the morning. It's also up on Twitter, Brandon on BBITM, if you have those questions. And y'all, as always, Kelly Perry, well... She's got three words for you. Good
1: morning, Arkansas!
2: Brandon Baxter in the mornings. Gotcha gossip.
0: All right, gotcha gossip today on Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande is the big new coach on The Voice and kind of the whole season so far has been wrapped around her and what she's what's she going to be like, how she's going to interact with the other coaches and all that stuff. And they're building their teams right now with the blind auditions on The Voice. Ariana appeared on her co-coaches, I guess her, I guess, would they be co-coaches? Sure. <laughs> on Kelly Clarkson's show, the Kelly Clarkson show. And they were talking about The Voice, the experience thus far. And evidently, Ariana is not playing by the rules.
4: They're all so nice and cool. I love them. I'm obsessed with my team. I talk, talk to them oh all my the god. Time. Your first team too. It's like yeah. you get so obsessed. You love I've, them all, but like your first, it's like so exciting. I've person. broken every rule in my contract. i talk to them all all the time. I'm like DMing them, they're like, you're not supposed to do that. And I'm like,
0: sorry. Ariana Grande and the voice returns next Monday.
1: Gotcha gossip
0: on Kanye West. that,
3: that, 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 that don't kill me. You know, make me stronger.
2: So
1: Kanye West recently bought a beachfront Malibu property. Want to know what he's dropping? What? Just $60 million. Oh, my gosh. So Ocean View, the house has those straight angles with lots of light coming in. Now, it's made for a very specific buyer, they say. It's been on the market for over a year since Kanye bought it. So it's perfect for Kanye, they say, because he's very different when it comes to all the architecture and stuff, but he's very happy to be the new owner. He also uh, owns two massive ranches in Wyoming, shares a home in Hidden Hills, the one he shared with his ex, Kim Kardashian. There's also been rumors that Kanye has been really into architecture and interior design projects. So imagine... Yeezy pillows, blankets, pillowcases, towels, shower curtains, placemats. So he has yet to make any announcements about like a homeware collection. Yeah. But Kanye West adding a sixty million dollar home to his property list.
0: Got you gossip on Nicole Ritchie who celebrated her fortieth birthday, and evidently she was having a little <laughs> birthday get together and a cake with candles and What she wasn't taking into account was the fact that, um, well, she lit her hair on
1: fire. Oh, my goodness.
0: Literally, in her Instagram video, she's bent over. She's blowing out the candles, and both (laughs) sides of her hair catch on fire, and she freaks out briefly because, literally, her hair is on fire. Here's a little snippet of, like, this five-second audio from Nicole, but you can hear the panic (laughs) as soon as she realizes, oops, her hair's on fire.
5: Yes! Yes!
0: Like, literally, her hair is on fire. It flames. Yeah, it's crazy. You can watch it, Nicole Richie, on Instagram.
1: Gotcha Gossip on Lil Nas X. Call me
2: when you want. Call me when you need. Call me in the morning.
1: So Lil Nas X recently covered Dolly Parton's classic song, Jolene. Now, I didn't realize this, but Dolly Parton was one of the many artists who co-signed Old Town Road. So she even teased doing a remix after Lil Nas X uh, kind of teased about recruiting her for a new version of a song. So she's a fan. Well, Lil Nas X performed Jolene backed by a full band, and he's singing into this bedazzled microphone. Here's what it sounded like.
6: But I could easily understand How you could easily take my man But you don't know what he means to me Jolene
2: Jolene Jolene. Joey Jolene Jolene
0: It's Lil
1: Nas X covering Jolene, and don't forget Lil Nas X's album Montero is out now.
0: All right, and of course, every morning here on Brandon Baxter in the morning, we got you gossip.
2: Sometimes there's stories that just make you feel good. Ah! I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. With Brandon Baxter in the morning.
0: Wild story out of North Carolina, where um, this guy and this woman they lived together. They weren't married yet, but um, they were gone from their house when. All of a sudden, a fire broke out, and it was destroying so much of their home. And There's video from their ring doorbell or something similar where their neighbors were coming over, banging on the door like, hey, y'all need to get out of here, not knowing they weren't home. And then, of course, when you see the video, the the neighbors are looking right into the, the doorbell saying, you need to come home. Your house is on fire. When they finally get home, they realize that a lot of the house has been gutted by this massive fire. Fire crews are there. Neighbors are all outside trying to figure out what's going on. And. The guy, his name's Sean Matthews, he was kind of freaking out because he had an engagement ring inside. He wanted to propose. And he was worried that, you know, he tucked it away, that that thing was going to be messed up. So once the fire was put out, he went back into the living room area where he had kept the ring, and the ring was still there. Intact. He went outside and got down on one knee in front of his girlfriend, Kelly, and proposed Mm. in front of the firefighters the family and the friends who were all there to kind of support them. So even though the home burned down, even though it was a complete tragedy in that way, it was a beautiful night on the other hand for Sean Matthews and Kelly Stanley. They're now engaged. Congratulations. That's one of those stories that just makes you feel good.
2: Brandon Baxter in the morning.
0: Some of my fondest memories as a kid are having the opportunity, the chance for my mom to pack me and my brother and sister into her Ford Mustang and, drive us over to the McDonald's in Plano, Texas, and we wanted the Happy Meal, man. Yeah. We love the Happy Meal. Uh, McDonald's is planning on changing up the Happy Meal a little bit as far as the toys are concerned. And that was a deal. You got that cool box with, like, the M finger holes on the mm-hmm. top of it, and you'd have your toys in there, and yep. they were always the trendy toys, like if it was Star Wars or if it was Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, whatever they were, they were pretty cool.
1: And on the outside of the box, there would be sometimes, like, Uh, games and crossword puzzles and Mm -hmm. stuff you could do. So you could take, undo the box and then you could draw on the box too.
0: And they would say, is this a happy meal for a boy or for a girl? Mm -hmm. And there were different toys that were kind of gender specific. Uh, McDonald's. I don't know if you know this. They sell more than (laughs) 1 billion toys each year in their uh, happy meals. And they're thinking about changing up the way they do that. They're going to try to phase out plastic toys You know, as far as the brand-new plastic to try to be better for the environment. And they're going to try to do more things like three-dimensional cardboard superheroes, board games with plant-based pieces. And they plan on rolling that stuff out in January.
1: Nothing says I want a Happy Meal like plant-based.
0: Yeah. Here's a cardboard cutout. (laughs) And I get it. We want to be better with the environment and stuff like that and, and use less plastic, but... Man, part of the joy of those toys was the fact they were those little tiny toys. They were made of plastic, and you could collect them. And if you went online, I bet if we went to eBay right now, we could find McDonald's toys from Happy Meals worth all kinds of money. I
1: still have the ones that were the Muppet Babies, and it was the Muppet Babies. And so you would have Miss Piggy, and they would come with like a little toy. So Miss Piggy came like on a a little, I don't know, One of like a horse, Kermit came on a a tricycle, Fozzie came on something. So like it was all the Muppets, and I still have them. Where are they? In my house, in a box. I'm thinking we try to
0: sell them. No, no. But what if they're worth a lot of money?
1: But I like them, and then but they were really good toys. Like I still have them. All the paint is still on them, and everything. So they were really good toys. I also still have. Well, I used to. I don't know where they are now. The California raisins. Oh, really? Yeah. They did the California raisin. So there was like one playing a guitar. One was playing a saxophone. One had sunglasses on. So I had those as well. That's exactly what I have, Brandon. That is exactly what I have.
0: Okay. So these are Muppet Babies 1986, McDonald's Happy Meal, Toy lot of 4, Piggy, Gonzo, Kermit, and Fozzie.
1: I have all four of those.
0: You can sell them right now for the whopping price of $16.99. Oh, man. <laughs>
1: Why do I always keep the stuff that doesn't make money?
0: No, give that give that twenty more years and yeah. think about what that's gonna be worth. Hmm. But there was so much like I enjoyed going to McDonald's so much. It was such a treat. It and was. like today's kids, they don't realize how much of a treat that was mm-hmm. because so many of us are busy and parents don't cook as much as we used to. Yeah. But like for us, we didn't get to go very often. So when we did, it was a big deal. Right. Like we looked forward to going all day and we'd pile into my mom's car. I'd always ride in the front seat, my brother and sister in the back. I don't know if the car even had seat belts. <laughs> And they'd be laying around, rolling around, (laughs) laying in the seats, laying on the floorboard, all this crazy stuff. And you would think, oh, he was born in the 30s. No, this Mm -hmm. is the the 80s we were doing stuff like that. But McDonald's is going to try to uh, reduce the plastic footprint of the Happy Meal toys. And I guess it's the right thing to do, but... Man, some of those old-school toys were fun. I
7: know this sounds crazy. Believe me, I know it.
1: It's crazy. That
7: sounds kind of crazy.
2: You must be crazy.
1: And people are crazy. So a 44-year-old thief in Germany broke into a kindergarten classroom back in April and stole a strange assortment of things, including a laptop, picture books, cups, glasses, some fish sticks, and pasta. He also took a smart speaker for playing children's stories, and that was his downfall. Because a month or two after the break-in, he downloaded new stories onto that that device, and it revealed his location to the manufacturers, who passed it along to the police. So it's incredible that the speaker didn't. It's incredible that the speaker did him in, and not the laptop. But the guy is now in custody and is facing charges, although the specifics have not been released. Uh, The smart speaker has been returned to the classroom, and it sounds like the kids are thrilled to have it back. But it doesn't sell. Like they got their fish sticks and their pasta back. But who steals from kindergartners? Speaking of stealing, the staff of this liquor store called the cops on me for stealing whiskey and vodka.
0: Oh, gosh. I
1: don't understand. I was only lifting their spirits. Oh.
0: (laughs) And there's even more proof that people are crazy.
1: Brandon Baxter in the morning.
0: And Kelly Perry, I have one question for you. Are you ready to celebrate some local people? Let's do it. Let's do the birthdays.
7: Happy birthday to you.
2: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Uh birthday, Happy
0: birthday. Happy birthday to you. Well, well, well. Time for birthdays for today, Wednesday, September 22nd of 2021. Local birthdays, local celebrities. Here we go. Happy birthday goes out to Camden Greer, who's turning 10 today. Love from Mom, Haley, and Carson. Levi Manning of Valley View, turning 13. It's a big teenager, too, man. That's awesome. Uh, This says love from Dad, Mom, Brody, and Maverick. Happy birthday birthday today to Rachel Johnson of Jonesboro. Stacey Reinhart celebrates. Blake McClanahan. From Wynn, we have Linda Haney celebrating. Brittany Beckinghausen celebrates a birthday. Brittany Morris. From Wynn, Bobby Bonds is celebrating. Jeanette Massey, happy birthday. Frank Hunter of Jonesboro, Jared Seaman from Jonesboro. And Josh Berry from Wynn celebrates as well. And if you have a birthday today, we say this. We say... Happy birthday birthday to all y'all, and you celebrate with these celebrities.
1: Tom Felton is 34. That's Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. Bonnie Hunt is 60. That's the mom in Beethoven in the original, and she was in the original Jumanji uh, with Robin Williams. Scott Bayo is 61 today. He was in Charles in Charge and Chachi on Happy Days. All right,
0: so I think we have to do a little bit of both, right? Of course, we know Happy Days.
2: Sunday,
7: Monday, Happy
2: Days. Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes, my cycle humps, ready to race to you. These days are
0: right. on oh, baby. So you mentioned Chachi, he was also, as you mentioned, Charles in charge. I don't know if many people remember that show, but I love that show.
1: Do you remember the girl that was in that show? Uh,
0: yes, Nicole Eggert. I still <laughs> remember. Happy birthday to Scott Bayo, who celebrates his birthday today.
1: Happy birthday today to Joan Jett, who is 63, of course, rock and roll, Hall of Famer.
0: Here comes Ronda Rousey. This is her entrance yeah. music. <laughs> Happy birthday to Joan Jett. Jet turning 63 today
1: David Coverdale is 70 He's the singer for Deep Purple and Whitesnake
2: and Here I go again
0: on my own Here's your White Whitesnake Going down the only road I've known. This is my entrance music as a kid like <laughs> wrestle on the backyard in the garage My entrance music White Whitesnake know, Wrong part of the song Alright, they did this one too. Is this
2: love? That I'm feeling? Is this the love that I've been searching for?
0: Some white snake. In
2: the skill of the night, I hear the wolf out of stiff it around your doll. Come on. In the skill of the night, I feel my heart beating hell. Telling me I gotta have more.
0: David Coverdale, 70 years old today.
1: And happy birthday today to Tony Basil, who is 78. Our biggest hit, you know this one.
8: Oh, Mickey, you so fine, you so fine, you blow up my headmaking. Headbake. Hey, oh, Mickey, you so fine, you so
1: fine, you blow up my head naked. Hey, Do you remember the video? No, oh, I Mickey don't. So fine, they were in cheerleading outfits.
0: They were what It's weird. Happy birthday goes out to my good friend Tony Aww. Basil, who turns 78 today. Brandon Baxter in the morning. So, a survey was talking about America's favorite dips. Okay. What do you think is the number one preferred dip in America?
1: Is it just going to be cheese dip? Is it that easy? No. And I figured
0: it would have been cheese dip as well. Okay. Just salsa overall is number one.
1: Okay. Well, I like salsa.
0: And salsa is pretty much any time. Like, I can have salsa for breakfast.
1: Hot, mild, medium.
0: Oh, I want hot. Mild for me. So, they do salsa number one, guacamole is number two, which is good. Mm -hmm. And then the queso comes in at number three. Which I mean, yeah, but to me, like, I mm. like all of them mixed too. Oh, no mixing. Why? The color, I don't like the color of it when they mix.
1: Well, it's like you get a little scoop of cheese dip, guacamole, and then finish it off like a little dip of uh, your um, salsa. Mm. Really?
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever done cheese dip on top of the guacamole before.
1: Good.
0: Hmm. So it goes: salsa number one, guacamole, queso, followed by spinach artichoke dip, Hmm. which is really good. Followed by French onion and hummus, and then buffalo chicken dip. All right. There is bean dip listed. Hmm. You know that seven layer dip. Have you ever done that? That's super good. Like for the Super Bowl or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's kind of expensive to make that dip, (laughs) and it's kind of a lot. It is try to figure it out and layer it just right. I remember as a kid, we used to buy bean dip. It was just like beans. And you would eat it. We ate ours with fritos. Yes. Yeah. Old bean dip. Do they still just make bean dip? Yep. They do? They do. It's a Frito-Lay bean dip. Is it different than going and buying refried beans? Probably not. (laughs) I think it's basically the same. Yeah, I think it is too. I might go buy some bean dip today. Hmm. But salsa is the number one dip in the United States. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, here it is Wednesday morning, and y'all, as always, Kelly Perry. Well, she's got three words for you.
2: Good
1: morning, Arkansas!
0: This
2: is Country Music News on Brandon Baxter in the Morning.
0: We have Country Music News today on Luke Bryan. Kiss
2: kiss, one after another.
0: So Luke Bryan says that he wants to put out a cowboy song. Hmm. And we're not talking about the Dallas Cowboys. We're talking about like a real cowboy song. Here's what Luke Bryan has to say. He says, and I quote, I'm really into Yellowstone and the music in it. It's Texas music, cowboy music. I'm obviously not a cowboy, but it makes me wonder how I could do a really retro sounding cowboy song that isn't drums, bass, guitar and steel guitar. Hmm. So Luke Bryan, will we get a true cowboy song from Luke? We'll have to wait and see on that.
1: We have country music news today
0: on Dirks Bentley. I've been gone. I've
2: been gone. I've been sitting on. The
1: couch. So, did you enjoy homeschooling your kids during the pandemic? Well, I know that your wife has been homeschooling for a long time, so she really can't answer that. But. Uh, Dirks Bentley and his wife Cassidy said after two days, they were done. He said, (laughs) quote, this is Dirks. the first day we crushed it. We were high-fiving each other. We were like, this is so easy. The two of us were managing three kids. We were getting it done. It's like we were just putting on a clinic on how to teach. Teachers had nothing on us. And then day two, quote, the next day it was the exact opposite. I mean, screaming, crying, and that was just us. I was like, this is brutal. This is awful. He said, I mean, you realize no one is more thankful for teachers than parents last year and hopefully we haven't forgotten that lesson so yeah, really i think he probably hits the nail on the head a lot of us
0: as parents felt just like that no it's tough man country music news today on tim mcgraw not, a
7: moment too soon, not, a minute to
0: not sure if you saw tim's uh, post on social media the birthday greetings the wish to his wife faith hill but it was really yeah. really sweet <laughs> So it starts off with an old school video of her looking all beautiful. It transitions to this interview where Tim was talking about how he just wants to call his college buddies. Like, hey, that's my wife right Aww. there. And then his message to her is at the very end. If you haven't seen it and/or heard it, it's Tim McGraw for his wife's birthday, and it sounds like this.
4: When
7: you see that video, every time it goes by. That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's like I want to call all my college buddies around, say, "Hey, <laughs> I'm married to her."
2: Hey,
7: baby. <laughs> I still feel the exact same way, even more so. Um, happy birthday! You caught up with me,
0: finally. Um, I wouldn't change anything for the world, and um, I love you. Golly, how Aww. sweet is that? If you haven't seen it, you really should go out of your way to see it. It's Tim McGraw on his social media.
1: We have country music news today on Scotty McCreary. So, Scotty recently released his album, Same Truck, and he showed up on the Today Show to talk about the album and to also perform. The song he did is called Damn Straight. Here's Scotty
7: McCreary. Nobody in his right mind would have left her. That was her favorite song She sang along every time it came on First time we danced was to Marina Del Rey And I fell right there and then I didn't want that song to end Baby blue was the color
2: of her eyes I can still see them in my mind Probably will for the rest of my life Damn straight, you're killing me man You know I've always been your biggest fan Now I can't even listen Cause I'll get to missing her Then my the hurt gets worse Damn straight, I used to love your songs But now every time that one comes on My heart gets broken half But do I wish I could
1: get her back damn straight? It's Scotty McCreary. It's called Damn Straight. and It's on his new album out now, Same Truck.
0: That's your country music news on Arkansas's Morning Show.
2: You're listening to Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right here. On the big 107.9 K-Fine. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services.
0: All right, time for some Doc Talk with our buddy, Dr. Shane Spites. He's the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State University. That means he's training future doctors. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big gig, isn't it? Uh, it's
7: a lot of fun, I'll
3: be honest with you. Now <laughs> juggling this whole COVID thing has not necessarily been 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 the most fun, but training new doctors is a lot of fun.
0: So when did the the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine when was like the opening of that? Like when, when all so we, the students were there and all that?
3: Well, we started our first class because, you know, medical school is four years long. So we took our first class in the fall of 2016. Okay. So in the fall of 2016 is when the first class of about 120 students started. And then obviously you take a next class after that and after that. And, and after and that first class graduates four years later. So we had our first graduating class in the spring of 2020 in the oh. middle of the pandemic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, exactly. So uh, that, but we, that was when we were full was, uh, was by that time. So we have 400 and, you know, 480 something students uh, in the entire college with about a hundred, about 120 per class.
0: That's great. How, how cool is, and how special is it to Northeast Arkansas to have this college in Northeast Arkansas?
3: You know it's it's a really big deal, and I and I still run into people now. They're like, "We have a medical school in Jonesboro," and I'm like, right. "Yeah," <laughs> um, because you got to think about it. Before our school came, the only other medical school in the state of Arkansas was UAMS, right? And people recognize UAMS because they also recognize recognize that UAMS has a hospital, mm-hmm. but it's not a requirement for a medical school to own or to run a hospital. And so we don't do that. We actually partner with hospitals here in Jonesboro, NEA in Baptist, and Saint Bernard's. Um, you know, AMMC up in Perigold. we and all over really the region, and all over the state, we partner with hospitals for our training. So that way it's a win-win. These hospitals get to see new young doctors and potentially recruit them and maybe try to get them to their areas, which of course is what we need here in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And for us, we don't have to own and run a hospital, which can be a whole different set of headaches.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Hey, if people want more information, maybe you have somebody in the car this morning who's like a future doctor or they're looking for a career change or they're going through high school and they've considered this. Where's the best spot to get information on the school?
3: Absolutely. So we've got a website. It's uh, nyt.edu backslash Arkansas. You can it. So, uh, you know, NYT, I know it sounds strange, New York Institute of Technology, but that's our parent institution in New York, and that's the group who came down here and basically – put the money forward, partnered with Arkansas State University to put the campus here. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the NYIT website, um, and from there you can find all kinds of information. We've got all kinds of programs, outreach for high school students, uh, for those that are in college, anyone thinking about a career in medicine, we'd love to talk to you.
0: What about those who uh, do morning radio? Do you think there's a the potential I could be a doctor down the road? <laughs> you know
3: what? It's funny you say that, Brandon. I don't know if I can always I can get you there, but we've even talked about kind of a citizen medical school. What do you think about that? Maybe yes. just like a once the pandemic kind of starts. That was actually something we had planned right before the pandemic hit was to be able to kind of bring people from the community in and kind of put them through and say, look, here's kind of just basic one hundred and one how your body works, how the human anatomy works, the physiology, common medications, um, different disease processes, and just kind of general public education so that's something we had on our list to get done they got pushed to the back burner obviously
1: hey shane brandon wants to know if y'all get a uh, a white coat when they go through the program
3: <laughs> oh that's a good idea i'll have to look into that we hadn't gone that far into it we've okay. gone into the planning phases in terms of the topics but i hadn't gotten into the white coat but i could see brandon really wanting a white coat dr uh, baxter
0: I, I do yes i'll do, i'll <laughs> offer exams at a uh, discounted rate
5: <laughs> oh my goodness uh, yeah
0: No, really, that sounds like a lot of fun. So if you do that, put me first on the list, okay?
3: We'll do, we'll do. All
0: right, I want to talk to you about COVID, the numbers and stuff like that, because you know, back it was a number of months ago, we were talking about, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It looks like things are slowing down. Uh, The mask mandate was removed and and all that stuff. And it felt pretty good for a second. Uh, We spiked back up with the Delta variant. And now we're starting, I think, to hear some positive numbers. I don't want to get overconfident, though, based on what we've been through recently.
3: No, I'm with you 100%. Um, what it looks like now, and this is some, this is some good news, finally. I always like sharing good news about COVID. It seems like I'm <laughs> sometimes the, the bearer of bad news. But we're on the backside of our peak that we just had from Delta here in Arkansas, and we're starting to look like that for the rest of the country as well. We're starting to kind of come onto the backside of the Cases are down here in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. We're averaging about 1,300 cases a day. And ha- what is that related to? Well, just a month ago, we were averaging 2,300 mm-hmm. cases a day. Wow. So that's a thousand cases less per day here in Arkansas that we're seeing. So cases are coming down. That's great. Hospitalizations are coming down. That's great as well. Uh, we are seeing more people still getting their vaccines. Um, it's slow, but that's always helpful. Just uh, anybody that gets vaccinated is going to be one less person that can either pass it on to somebody else or to, it takes up a hospital bed. So the more people vaccinated, the better off we're doing. Um, so right now we're moving in a great direction. However, and I'm going to throw this out there, I don't think we're going to get back to the level that we were and then we saw in the in the spring and early summer where we were only at 150, 180 cases a day in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see that until the spring. I really don't. Just because we're entering into the colder winter weather, more people spend time inside, there's going to be more holidays, so more people are going to travel, bringing cases in and out. And so I think we're going to hit a plateau. I don't know what that number will be. It, it may be anywhere from... 500 cases or so per day, you know, three, five, eight hundred 800 cases a day. It'll go up and down. It'll jockey back and forth. But hopefully we don't spike back up to the level that we were seeing just a month ago where we're hitting 2,300 or higher, which was similar to what we saw at our peak last year with the, with the first wave or the original COVID strain.
0: So as we go through this and we see the numbers starting to come down, are they getting closer to the level of what the, the flu would be like? Or are we still well past what the, the flu would be like on a seasonal basis?
3: Yeah, we're still well past what we'd see on on the flu. The the flu um you know and and that, that's a good question about the flu as well. I want to encourage people to get their flu shot this year because we didn't see much flu last year and we're not quite sure about this year, but more people are active and moving around, so the likelihood that we'll see more flu cases this year is higher than what we did last year. Uh but in terms of um in terms of actual uh cases per day compared to the flu, we're still seeing Uh, more cases than that. And when you talk about uh, total deaths, that's always something that comes up as well. You got to remember when we compare flu to COVID, on average, about 35,000 people die per year from the flu. And that's, that's data since, uh, that's about 10 years, 10 to 12 years worth of data is that on average, about 35 people, 35,000 people die, excuse me. We're well over 650,000 deaths from COVID in the last 19 to 20 months. And so, uh, There are some comparisons you can draw to the flu in terms of the fact that they're both uh, respiratory viruses. In terms of viral size, they're both about the same size. They're both um, about five uh, micrometers in terms of size. But um, really, in terms of infectiousness, COVID is far more infectious. It's far more deadly than the flu. And that's kind of been proven. Uh, Certainly, that's played out in the last six months or so.
0: Seems like the numbers from the hospitals, though, that uh, even when we're seeing less cases, less uh, active cases in the counties, the hospital numbers still seem to be kind of up there, right?
3: Well, so what we're seeing, and and this is one thing I will say, we are still seeing younger and sicker patients. And so what I mean by that, and I've had had the opportunity to to meet with hospital administrators throughout the region uh, fairly regularly. And what the feedback I'm getting is they're seeing these, you know, in the first COVID wave, it would be older individuals, and maybe somebody's admitted for two or three days with COVID. Either they get better or they get worse. or You know, they either go home or they stay there longer. The average length of stay now is like five to seven days. And so this Delta variant seems to be hitting people harder and even younger people. And so we have people that are in the hospital longer with the Delta variant than we saw last year. And like I said, 30s and 40s, we're seeing those younger
0: individuals as
3: well. So um, even though the actual hospitalizations in terms of per day, people that are admitted are down, they're staying in the hospital longer.
0: Dr. Shane Spites on with us this morning. We just got a report. You know, we've kind of uh, talked to you often about Leslie's grandparents and Mima still recovering from COVID and the effect it had on her. And, you know, she's able to walk and stuff like that now, which is awesome. But she went in and had her lungs looked at in the long COVID deal. And the effect from COVID on her lungs is pretty drastic. She only has a 67% use of her lung capacity at this point, And they're thinking that doesn't get any better.
3: So that's another big thing. I'm glad you brought that up. And when we talk about people that aren't vaccinated um, and the, the back and forth on, well, I don't know that I'm going to get vaccinated. I, I think I can get through the, the illness on my own. I feel like I'm pretty, pretty strong. And I can make it through. It's not just making it through the illness. It's the long-term damage that you may not realize that you had from the virus, That, and we don't know how long you'll live with that. So we still have patients now that got sick in the initial wave last year, last fall, that are still having problems that have lung damage, have uh, uh, sustained heart damage. Some of them are still having brain fog, even some mild things. Some of them still don't have their taste in the smell back. We don't know how long this lasts. So the long COVID, you're going to hear more and more about that as we have more studies that come out. And as we move, obviously, down the road and more time passes, you're going to hear more about that. This is a pretty um, devastating virus in terms of what it does to the lungs and what it does to the body. It particularly attacks certain organs in the body um, and just really wreaks havoc. Now, hopefully, most of that function comes back over time, but it's still too early to tell.
0: So let's run through uh, the vaccination stuff real quick, because we kind of talked about this for the last little bit. Kai turns 12 on Saturday, you know, for the whole last number of months. And I'll, I'll be very, very honest here. You know, me and my wife are both vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Uh, we had the vision all summer. Kai's going to be vaccinated when he turns 12. All of a sudden, he's turning 12 on Saturday. And, um, you know, we start going, oh, gosh, is it the right thing? Numbers are going down. Should we get him vaccinated? You know, because he had a little bit of a response to, um a steroid shot and we obviously don't want him to get sick and we've kept him safe so far walk me through that thought process as you know people are considering vaccinating their their kids who are younger
3: i think that's a great question and the, i think it's that's common and i'll be honest with you i went through this and my wife and i went through the same scenario you know as the as the vaccine was approved uh for those and we had kids that fell in that age and i'll talk to you about the 5 to 11 it was great news that came out actually monday morning about that so i'll talk to you about that but Uh, We went through that same scenario. Well, it's a risk versus benefit. Mm -hmm. And so, and and we're starting to see, you know, well, in terms of kids, what's the chance of a kid getting sick and dying? Well, it's not really high. I mean, it's pretty low. But is death the only thing? Well, no. There are things like we just talked about long COVID. And even though that's, there's a lower risk of that in the pediatric population, it's still there. Mm -hmm. Um, Could they get somebody else sick, like a grandparent or somebody that they're around uh, routinely. Yeah, they could do that, too. So, uh, and we don't really know the long-term effects of, of the virus. Uh, we feel pretty good right now, to be honest with you, about the vaccine. And people talk about, well, what about the long-term effects of the vaccine? You've got to realize the vaccine itself is out of your body right now, the best we can tell, within 14 to 21 days. Hmm. The vaccine itself is gone. Oh, okay. What stays behind is the antibodies that were created, that your body made, your body manufactured these antibodies against the virus. That's what you want to stick around. So when we say, hey, these start to go away at six to eight months, those are, that's what your body made. Gotcha. Basically, the vaccine created the template. The vaccine then left your body. It was destroyed and moved out within about, like I said, 14 to 21 days. And what was left is the antibodies that you use to fight off infection, in this case, COVID. But my wife and I had the same conversation. I'll be honest with you. I delved into the data. I looked at the research. I looked at the, at the, at the, at the side effects, at mm-hmm. the outcomes. I looked at the response, and to be honest with you, I I said, "Look, this is a no-brainer for us." And so we got our 13-year-old vaccinated. And uh, the um, Pfizer just released their—they they they, they released excuse me—they didn't release it, but they they got their data um, late this weekend and released early early Monday morning a statement that five to 11 data looks great. It's actually in the same uh, category as they saw between 16 to 18 in terms of the response. Uh, the side effects were no different than what they've seen with the rest of the vaccine uh, groups that they've given it. So right now, we anticipate the vaccine for five to eleven being available sometime, hopefully mid October, once it goes through all of the FDA reviews and everything like that. But if the if it plays out the way that uh, Pfizer has said in terms of what their data looks like, we could see a vaccine for five, to, and that would be huge for schools because mm. um, that really starts to create a different conversation in terms of, okay, once we can get all these kids um, vaccinated, then we can start seeing some, some movement back to some, some real normalcy.
0: Right. So if we, if you were to have the opportunity to choose one of the vaccines, right? Because there's three that are pretty much the leading vaccines. <laughs> is there one you choose over the other? Because where I went, you know, I was given one and I didn't know which one I was getting. I don't think until I sat down.
3: Yeah. And you don't most of the time or fairly early on, you didn't really have a choice um and it really i guess it just depends now there was a cdc study that came out on friday that compared all three vaccines and risk of hospitalization Uh, and they looked at a group between march and august of this year and they said okay who was the least likely to be to be hospitalized based on the vaccine they got moderna had the best rate it like it had protection of 93 percent and then you had um excuse me then you had um uh, Pfizer was right behind it at 88%, and then the Johnson & Johnson was 71%. Mm-hmm. What you got to know, those are all really high percentages. Like, really, anything above 60% is a good percentage. I mean, most flu vaccines, you know, we, we we jockey back and forth between, you know, 50 and 60-something percent. So these are all three of the vaccines work well in terms of presenting hospitalization. Um, I'm I have a personal bias, and I'll throw this out there just because, it really wasn't, uh, they kind of um, were doing their own thing. They weren't part of, you know, anything on the on the side of, the, of what the government was doing. And uh, that was the Pfizer vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they produced their data pretty quickly. Uh, they've been kind of ahead of the curve. And that's why you saw, you saw Pfizer was the first one to come out with those with the vaccine down to age 12. You see, Pfizer's the one that's going to be out for, for 5 to 11. Um, Pfizer's the one that's being used um, over in Israel. Um, and they got a lot of good data on that. Um, And so there's just, I like looking at the data. I like being able to, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. I like to be able to look at the data, and there's a ton of data on the Pfizer vaccine. And so, and not that there's not any on Moderna. uh, There is, but it's just, it seems to be lagging. Pfizer's the first one that's FDA approved. Um, So that's just a, that's a personal thing, but it has nothing to do. I mean, the, the Johnson & Johnson's a good vaccine, and they're releasing their own data saying, look, it works really well, and they had a booster vaccine report that just came out this week that shows that they that it works really well against the Delta variant. Um, so it really ha- it, it boils down to which one you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. which one you can get. I mean, I think they're all safe and effective, to be honest with you.
0: Okay. Last thing, because uh, you mentioned booster, and it, it kind of triggered this thought because we had this discussion in oh, yeah? my house the other day uh, when it came out that, hey, immunocompromised elderly can get the booster, but the rest of us don't need it. Um, why is that?
3: So let's talk through that. And I actually watched that. This is, um, and and let me be clear, I watched this all um, half the day on Friday as they were going through all this, and the process worked exactly the way it was supposed to. You had really smart people on both sides that had a research and scientific debate back and forth, and it worked exactly the way it was supposed to. And I think they made the right decision. Okay. And what they said was that individual, based on the data, and that's what it is. These are data-driven decisions based on the data. They didn't believe that everybody age 16 and older needed a booster. And that's the truth, to be honest with you. Kids, once they get their initial vaccine series, they've got a really good immune response. Like, my 13-year-old doesn't need a booster. My 18-year-old doesn't need a booster. And so why would you approve something if it's really only going to be a very, very small benefit? It really wasn't, you know, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, so to speak. (laughs) However, in those individuals 65 and older, there is a good benefit because their immune systems are already somewhat compromised, and they do benefit from that booster in terms of risk of hospitalization or death. And so they approve that. And in addition, people that might be around those people. So, and let me be clear on what they voted on, because I actually have it pulled up here in front of me. Healthcare workers or others at high risk for occupational exposure. I was glad they put that term, high risk for occupational exposure, because that throws into now Teachers. Now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. an elementary school teacher who wants to get their booster vaccine because they are around kids who right now can't be vaccinated—you um, know that that would be a higher risk exposure—and or people on the front lines, fire, EMS, police, obviously healthcare workers. We talked about those, but really anybody that could—I mean, so it kind of leaves it back to your physician to have that discussion with you to be able to say, "Hey, look, yeah, we think that you." You're in an occupational uh, exposure risk, or you could get somebody else sick that would have a detrimental effect, and therefore you need the booster. And so I agree with that. Now, they'll probably come out down the road and open it up for more people, but I thought this was a good first move, because based on the data, it was just the right thing to do.
0: There you go. He is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State University. Dr. Shane Spites always brings great information. Thanks for another round of Doc Talk, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Good to be with you again. Hope you have a great week. All right, you too. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club.
4: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinch. We'll get back to the show.
0: Now back
2: to Brandon Baxter and
0: Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by Mitch Johnson, who is probably in the middle of the busiest two weeks of his year as we get set for the Northeast Arkansas District Fair. Mitch, uh, I would assume your life is a little bit hectic as we're trying to get back to fair season. Well yeah,
7: you know, especially uh due to having to take a year off last year, it's it's been an adjustment getting back going, but We're in the swing of things and we're getting amped up. And, uh, you know, it's a little stressful all the way till you get time to open. But it seems like once it opens up, everything just kind of falls
0: into place. I'll tell you, I was excited. I was going somewhere. I guess it was Monday. I was driving. I think I had to get gas. And I was kind of near the interstate and I started seeing these different vehicles pull through. There were rides attached, there were, uh, you know, food vendors coming through. And I started thinking, man, it just feels right for the fair to be here in September.
7: Well, i tell you what. You'd look up on the uh, hill where the rides are, and it is packed full. I think we've got more stuff up there than we've ever had before. It's it's exciting times.
0: Yeah, so I think the, the neat thing about this is you're giving people more opportunities to, to do things at the fair, to ride the rides at the fair, because you guys are actually opening up starting tomorrow and then running through Saturday and then open again all next week. Give me the idea behind the vision of, of more fair days and, and why you think that's a cool thing.
7: Well, we We kind of felt just that this would be a time to just kind of break out with something that was probably the first time in the fair's history. So, you know, you're right on the dates starting tomorrow through Saturday. We will have a full carnival up the hill. It's full of rides, games, and uh, all the good fair food that people love. And Mm -hmm. we just thought this would be a good year to offer that that opportunity and uh, give more people time to get out.
0: Well I think that's what's so neat about it is maybe, you know, we'll get more people to come out there and maybe on certain days it might be less crowded because there's more opportunity, which to me it's like a win-win on all aspects of that. That's
7: exactly right. You know, sometimes, you know, twenty eighteen we had a rain out on our last day. So, you know, we've got two full weekends to offer everyone this time. So we're excited to be able to do that this year.
0: Now, as I look through some of the data as I was going through your website a few minutes ago, Am I right that you guys are offering armbands almost every night, every night but Tuesday?
7: Yeah, that's something new as well this year, Brandon. We're going to have uh, armbands available, as you said, Monday through Thursday. They'll be $20, and then on Fridays and Saturdays, they'll be 25 Of course, we still have single-ride tickets available. But, you know, the, the thought behind skipping on the 28th is we're doing something we've never done before, too, called Two for Tuesday. Right. Uh, all admission prices are $2 and all the rides on the midway are $2, and with, uh, they have certain food items up there and game specials for $2 as well.
0: I can speak from the experience of taking Kai from, golly, as probably as soon as he could possibly do anything at the fair, even something as simple as the petting zoo when he was really little, and he's about to turn uh, 12 this weekend. Some of the most fun we have is going to the fair and watching his face and the giggles and the smiles and you know, we're riding some of these rides. There's no way I would have ridden when I was a kid, but I ride them because Kai wants to ride them. It's just really family fun, and I think we missed out on that last year, and it's great to know it's back.
7: Yeah, you know, we we strive to provide that family fun atmosphere, and we're a lot of volunteers, and we work tireless hours to get this thing put together. But you hit it right on the head. When, when you're sitting there and, and you see the smile on the children's faces as they come out, and their just eyes light up when they see all the lights up there and get a chance to ride the rides. It's, it's just uh, it makes us feel that uh, you know we've done our job when we can provide that.
0: So it's a lot of fun. There's obviously it's not just rides and food, even though we focus a lot on that. There's other stuff that happens with the fair as well. Does it seem like all of your your shows and the uh, the cattle and the livestock are going to be out there this year too?
7: Yeah, you know that's that's kind of what we're trying to do. Some clarifying on some people get a little confused. You know, these three days are are more focused on the rides and the games and things up the hill. And then our full fair activities start with, uh, you know, the car- commercial exhibits, all the family living stuff. Uh, yeah, of course, the livestock shows and, uh, you know, our, our as well as our concerts. So, you know, all those things are what we call fair week. And that's kind of why we say this is carnival week this week, because right. we're focusing right. on just the rides and stuff up the hill.
0: So if you want info on every aspect of the fair, maybe you're traveling in, or maybe you're just trying to to wrap your head around what night you want to go, you can go to NEADistrictFair.com. But again, the fair opens with the carnival tomorrow. It opens tomorrow, then runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a break on Sunday, and back Monday through Saturday of the following week as well. So more opportunities. And again, all of the information, if you want that, is at NEADistrictFair.com. Mitch, I know you uh, take on it's a lot of responsibility for you, and you've been a part of this for so many years through different regimes, and we appreciate the work you do to make families happy, and we'll see you at the fair.
7: Hey, we appreciate your time, and uh, look forward to seeing everybody out for the fair and the carnival.
2: You're listening to Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right here. On the big 107.9 K-Fine. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club, powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services.
0: All right. We're joined this morning by Leslie Baltz and Alan on the phone, and we're here to talk about the USA Mullet Championships, which are going on right now. And if I rewind back to my early life, you know, life mm-hmm. in the '80s, early '90s, I had a mullet. And uh, Alan, I think your mullet's better than my old school mullet. Thanks. <laughs> hey, what was the idea behind you growing a mullet? Who who thought about that? I well
4: we. Started out in quarantine, and we just decided to do something crazy with my hair, but right. I never let them cut my mullet. So.
0: That's awesome. How old are you? 11. And that's awesome, because I have an 11-year-old who's about to turn 12 on Sunday, and you know, I've seen that you've been doing a ton of stuff in the media, talking to people, and you want to raise money to give back to foster care. And I think that's really cool that you're going out of your way to take your time to do that, so we're proud of you. Thanks. So tell me about uh, your story and why you want to help give money to uh, foster care groups around the state of Arkansas.
4: I just want them to be happy just like I am right now.
0: So Leslie, walk me through the story of uh, of kind of your story with Alan and why you're so proud of this, this young man who's in your life who's doing such great things.
8: Okay. Well, uh, my husband and I started as foster parents. Um, about eight years ago, and we met Alan and his sister, never planned to adopt, but the situation arrived, and here we are with two beautiful kiddos um, that have gone through a lot and have really worked hard to be great kids that love school and love their friends, and so when Alan found out that there was money involved in this contest, his first words were, Well, I could win to give the money to kids in foster care. And I just am amazed that his heart is just so good that his first thought is giving it to other kiddos because he's been there rather than a new bike or a new video game that didn't even cross his mind. So I'm just in awe of his heart and how good it is.
0: I think that speaks, obviously it speaks to him and the idea that, you know, he's, he's wanting to do that, but I think it also speaks to the parenting and the environment in which they've been raised, because I think it shows that, you know, you guys have taught the kids that it's important to, to give and to give back to people and to help people. And obviously they feel the love from you and your husband and they want to make sure other kids get to feel the same love. And I think that's fantastic.
8: Thank you very much. I think as moms, we always wonder if we're, doing the best that we can. And so it's very appreciated when people say kind words like that.
0: Thank you very much. Well, I can speak from, from my wife, you know, I get to do a lot of really cool things and, you know, and I'm gone a lot of the day and I'm gone a lot at night based on work. And, you know, she's got the tough job. She's the one who's home all day. And, and I know that that's the pressure that a mom feels. Am I doing this right? Because, you know, as we, as we have kids, as we raise kids, There's not this handbook. I think we have this misconception that it's going to be really easy and everybody's going to be able to help us figure it out. But every situation's different. And I think as I kind of researched Alan, uh, you know, the the situation was different and it's been different. And I think just uh, the strength and I want to talk through uh, how strong Alan is, not just in wanting to give back, but he's had some adversity to, to overcome as well.
8: Oh, yeah. This kiddo, I mean, every child in foster care has a story. Um, That is a challenge to overcome for sure. Um, But Alan also has a genetic syndrome. It is called X-linked Opitz GBBB syndrome, and it affected his development in utero in the midline of his body. So, brain, throat, heart, everything in midline, and so he has had to overcome a lot um, physically. He's had three different surgeries and. Has had uh, countless hours of speech therapy and occupational therapy um, and is a miracle, we feel like. And um, when we met him at four and started to realize all of the medical things that we were dealing with, we, a lot of his specialists told us to be prepared, that he would likely end up in self contained classrooms at school and mm-hmm. um, would likely not be able to read or take care of himself. And he, is amazing because he is general education most of the time making a's and b's with very few accommodations and um is just
0: a rock star in our eyes. Alan, I wish I could come through the phone and fist bump you right now because I can tell you, (laughs) you know, I do this for a living. I've done television hosting at Arkansas State, all the different things that I've done. I can tell you when I was 11 years old, there is no way I wanted to be speaking on the radio. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking to Leslie and Alan, as we got on the phone and got ready to interview them, Man, he was right there, and he's ready to go. And all he uh, all he wants is to give back to these other kids who are in foster care and these organizations, and it's real easy. We don't have to do a whole lot to help, Leslie, because it's a part of the USA Mullet Championships, and all we have to do is like something on Facebook. Yes, sir. So, so you, your picture, basically, if we go and we go to see your photo on the USA Mullet Championships, your picture's up there. All you're asking people to do is go and amass a huge amount of likes so you can beat the other competitors, right? Yes, sir. And why does that mean so much to you? Why do you why do you feel so strongly that you want to give back?
4: Because if the so I can give the foster care some money that they need for like meals and clothes, everything that they need.
0: What's the best way that we can find your picture and make sure we're liking the right picture and try to get you the opportunity to give this money to these groups? How can we find your picture?
8: Okay, so the best way would be if you guys could share it on your Facebook page, um, and people can go to your post and click directly on the picture and then like that picture. It'll take you to to the USA Mullet Championship Facebook page to like it. Um, and if you are really interested in looking at all the other contestants, you could just go to USA Mullet Championship Facebook page and look at the album. There's a hundred kids with some pretty fabulous mullets
0: also. No, and as I see, I'm sitting here just thinking to myself, you know, we're going to hear a lot of people around Arkansas are going to hear this and on the podcasts and stuff like that. And just the story, and we're not asking for people to make a donation. We're not saying, hey, come to an event, buy a T-shirt, buy some cookies, any of that. We're saying, hey, you're on Facebook anyway. Come give this picture a like. And it's that simple, and it can change lives in Arkansas. And I think that's so special. Thank you. And, man, we're proud of you, and best of luck. We're going to share your picture. We're going to try to get you as many likes as humanly possible. And when you win, we want you to come in here and hang out with us, okay? Okay. All right. Have a good morning, man. You too. Thank right. you. So we'll see y'all later. It's Leslie Balz and Alan on the phone with us. And again, the USA Mullet Championships. All we have to do is like a picture, like his picture, and he has a chance to move on. And you got to be realistic in situations like this. There are going to be people from bigger areas, bigger cities, mm-hmm. bigger communities. But I know Arkansas. I know that we can all come together and do this. It's going to go up on our Facebook pages here in just a little bit. On my page, Brandon Baxter, in the morning on Facebook and on the K-Find page, too.
1: You can find me on Facebook. Just search Kelly Brook Perry. <laughs>
2: You're listening to Brendan Baxter in the morning right here on the Big 1079 K Fine. And this is the K Fine Breakfast Club, powered by Families Inc. Counseling Services.
0: All right, we're joined this morning by Megan Brown, representing Hope Found of Northeast Arkansas. Megan, welcome back to the show. How are you this morning?
5: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, we talked to you a couple of times last year as we were learning more about Hope Found and and the organization and kind of the mission of the organization, but I want to recap that with people who are maybe learning about Hope Found of Northeast Arkansas for the very first time. Tell me uh, like, what the mission statement is for Hope Found.
5: Yes, so our mission is to end human trafficking by creating awareness, educating communities, and coordinating services for victims and survivors.
0: So a lot of people, when you think of human trafficking, we think, okay, that happens in other countries, that happens in big cities, New York City and places like that. But I don't think a lot of people really realize that this happens close to home as well.
5: Right. You know, human trafficking doesn't discriminate. You know, it happens in small rural communities like, you know, Jonesboro and throughout Northeast Arkansas, as it does, you know, in larger urban areas.
0: So for people who are like, maybe they've seen the, the buzzword, the keyword human trafficking, but they're not exactly sure what that means. How would you describe them?
5: So essentially, it's a form of modern-day slavery um, where a person is profiting from the exploitation of somebody else. So it's the buying and selling of people, and they could be exploiting them for work, um, which is labor trafficking, or they could be exploiting them through commercial sex acts, which is sex trafficking.
0: And this starts, um, unfortunately, with people, I mean, it, it can be any age, obviously, but mm-hmm. it seems like the target is to get people that are pretty young with the idea being they're more impressionable.
5: Right. So the average age is anywhere from 12 to 17. Mm. Um, we also see a lot of victims that are 18 to 24. But the thing to remember is that traffickers prey on the vulnerable. So those with vulnerable Noticeable vulnerabilities. So you have obviously our children. You know they're vulnerable. Um, children in foster care, the homeless, those that struggle with you know substance abuse um, issues, um, people with financial security, people that are in a situation of desperation. They need to provide for their family and themselves. And so those are those are considered some vulnerable populations that traffickers are looking to target.
0: What was it about uh, this topic that made you want to dive in? Because, you know, when you're launching something, an organization, a group uh, to try to raise money and to help, I mean, it's obviously a pretty daunting task. Why was this something you thought was so important to do?
5: Well, I first learned about trafficking 12 years ago, and, you know, it really just broke my heart to to learn that, you know, our, there's children and adults being exploited, you know, for sex and um, being forced to do something that against their will and that they didn't have any freedom and so um, that really just you know I think God instilled a passion in me to, to do something about it and um, I recognized that in Arkansas and specifically in Jonesboro there was not a lot of education or awareness almost on this, on this topic mm-hmm. and um, there were I've, there were cases of you know of girls you know being tricked and in lured into um, trafficking or an exploit exploitive situation um, and boys too and so mm-hmm. You know, learning more about those cases, seeing um, cases of labor trafficking, you know, happening. You know, I realized, okay, there's a need throughout Northeast Arkansas for people to be more educated on this topic so they can know how to protect themselves, their families, as well as the community. And so the more education that's out there, the more people will be able to report it. And then we can obviously, us in law enforcement can hopefully intervene and recover um, more victims.
0: So, as we think through this, um, you know the ways that people can be targeted, like these these young people who are targeted, I would assume you know video games, chats, social media, it's probably the easiest way that people can target, right?
5: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know you got to remember, if the average age is anywhere from twelve to seventeen years old, well, where are those kids hanging out on? They're mm-hmm. all on social media. they're all on different apps, they're all on different video games. Yep. And so any app, video game online platform, if it has a way to communicate with other people, you can bet 100% that there's traffickers and online predators looking, you know, that are on those on those platforms looking to target our, our kids. Um, and so if those aren't being monitored or completely turned off, then you're just allowing anybody to have accessibility to right. your child. And so it's so important as parents, especially, that we're monitoring what our kids are doing online. That we're having conversations with them about how to recognize this, this predatory behavior, so they know that so kids can recognize it and they can also too feel empowered to protect themselves.
0: When it doesn't start with somebody coming out and saying, "Hey, I'm trying to find somebody to traffic today," it starts out with somebody trying to build a relationship and and trust mm-hmm. and all that, and then it turns into something crazy. And I think that's where it's so important for us to educate uh, children. Most importantly, the kids, Mm -hmm. because we got to, or I'm sorry, most importantly, the parents, because we have to be aware of what our kids are doing. And date night with the purpose is one of your fundraising ways that uh, you guys are looking to, to raise money, to get the word out there. And the great thing about this fundraiser is it includes some really awesome food.
4: Yes.
5: So for a $75 ticket, you can get dinner and dessert for two provided by the 501 Steakhouse and Southern Confections. Delivered to your door in an insulated delivery bag that you get to keep. Um, so it's the only fine dining fundraiser that you can experience from your home.
0: <laughs> and I've never had bad food from the 501 ever in the 20 years, 22 years I've lived here. Never had a bad meal at
5: 501. Yes, they have some fabulous food.
0: Yeah. Do we have any idea what we can uh, what we can eat? Yes.
5: Yeah, so there's three um, options to select from. They're blackened chicken pasta. Their Parmesan salmon with garlic mashed potatoes and sauteed green beans, and then um, their gourmet chicken with garlic mashed potatoes and sauteed green beans. And then from Southern Confections, you have your choice of chocolate or vanilla cake with a dipped strawberry.
0: Mm, yum! So if people want to have their their fine dining inside their own home, the comfort of their home, and help out Hope Found, how can they go about doing this?
5: So they can head to our website at hopefoundnea.org. Click on events, and they can purchase tickets that way. Or they can reach out to me directly um, at 870-761-1098, and they can purchase tickets that way as well if they don't want to go online.
0: Hey, we appreciate the work you're doing. I know, uh, you know, as we talk to anybody who starts an organization, it's it's a big deal. It's daunting. You're just trying to get the word out, especially the first few years. It's education, education, education. Uh, We appreciate the fact that you're tackling something that uh, people weren't doing here. You're making a difference, and we appreciate it.
5: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my passion with y'all this morning.
0: All right. Have a great uh, have a great day. And we'll talk to you as you get closer to date night with the purpose, okay?
4: Okay. Sounds great. Thank All you so much. Right. Thank
5: you.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome
4: back, everybody. Powered
2: by Family Zinch.
4: We'll get back to the show.
2: Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry.
0: We're joined by the man you need. Yay. He is Dr. Kevin Reed. He is man's best friend. He is our best friend. And he is the veterinarian of choice. Of the Brandon Baxter in the morning radio program. Doctor Kevin Reed from Vet Care back with Wet Nose Wednesday. Doc, what's happening?
6: Hey, good morning. We're getting our day going.
0: Sounds like you're doing a Wednesday kind of like us, right? Trying to get fired up, trying to have plenty of coffee and get your day going.
6: Yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, the cool weather is nice, a nice change. So that that should encourage everybody.
0: I did wake up kind of excited about that myself. So. Uh, anyway, we talk to you every week about things going on in the pet population with our dogs, our cats, our puppies, our kitties, all the different stuff like that. And you have uh, some kind of cool news because one of the things that you see often in animals when they come in and there's something going on is uh, the type of cancer called lymphoma. And there's some good news on the, the medical front for our for our pets.
6: There is. And, and you know, um, the statistics show that probably one in four uh, dogs will develop cancer during their life of some type, so it's pretty high percent. And and of that, uh, of the cancer we see, almost 25% of the uh, canine cancers are lymphoma, which is um, you know a, a disease where the uh, lymphocytes. That are found in the in the spleen and bone marrow, other organs, uh, and the lymph nodes. They become cancerous, and you know I've just, I've seen and treated several of these cases, and you know it's one of these things that we probably never cure, but we can give these dogs a fairly good quality of life for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then they usually, you know, the the resistance in the cells comes back, and then they, you know, or the chemotherapy is not good anymore. But this is this is a new drug, completely new. It had been on conditional approval, and it was granted full approval by the FDA, the, the first um, veterinary drug to uh, receive full approval for the treatment of cancer in dogs. And this just happened a couple months ago. Uh, the drug name itself is Robacphosidine. And um, this actually, you know, it it can, compared to some of the other protocols that have been used in the past for treating canine lymphoma, um, it actually had some longer survival times and disease-free interval. So that's exciting. And and I think their statistics show that uh, pretty close to um, 74% of the dogs, almost three-fourths of them you know, had either a uh, partial or complete response for a period of time, and it may have extended their, um, you know, lifespan of disease or the disease-free interf- interval for maybe 60 to 90 days, which, you know, when you're looking at a dog's life, I mean, to have good quality of life with, you know, with your pet for even a few more months is is uh, worthwhile, and it's a... Um, you know the nice thing about this is it's a series of five injections, each one is given uh, every three weeks. And the other protocol that's commonly used, these dogs had to come in every week for some type. Uh, we alternated three different medications, and uh, for the first um, probably 12 treatments, they came in weekly, and then it went to every two weeks for a total of um, you know 20, 25 treatments. So. This kind of, you know, these dogs are being treated for almost, um, you know, half a year. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's nice that, you know, with just uh, five injections, this is going to be something that we'll probably see as more and more dogs are being treated with it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get better uh, statistics on it. But um, anyway, you know, and with any chemotherapy drug, there's some reactions or possible side effects like, you know, diarrhea, anorexia, weight loss, lethargy and uh but these didn't seem real severe, and they were usually self limiting and then given the three week interval that that allowed these dogs to you know recuperate and and have have good quality of of life um uh, you know with their with their owners so um you know it's something that's kind of exciting um and it's interesting that probably per year there's only seventy thousand or so dogs that are are diagnosed with lymphoma, so it's not a A real prevalent disease when you figure how many millions of dogs there are, but it is, uh, you know, it is something that is pretty rapidly fatal if nothing's done. You know, they only usually have a two-month life expectancy from time of diagnosis. So, you know, it's a pretty devastating disease, not only for the dog, but also for the uh, dog's family. So, uh, you know, another thing that, you know, as time goes on, we're going to see more and more specifically approved drugs that, you know, will make... Make our pets' lives a lot, lot, um, a lot nicer, and and hopefully Im- improve the longevity of them.
0: Well, I think that's the thing that's most important. I remember, and and you might remember this too. Is golly, fourteen or fifteen years ago, we had a dog that we brought to you, and I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, maybe you'll remember for sure. We were treating the dog, and I think it was for life uh, lymphoma back in. It was yeah, yeah back in like mm-hmm. 2007 or 2008. Um, right, and it's cool to know because I remember breaking down in your office because you know our dogs become our best friends, and we want to be able to to have them as long as we possibly can. So the idea that there's still evolution in medicine for our pets, I think that's great.
6: Yeah, and it's a, you know it's an exciting time. These companies are really putting a lot of uh, effort into research and developing newer and and uh, better better drugs and medications, and, and of course we get the benefit of some of the you know, as the human drugs are developed, you know, sometimes uh, these companies take a look at them and see what what they can be used for in our pets. So, um, you know, short in the short term, I think we're going to see a lot more, um, you know, approved uh, medications and treatments for different conditions that right now are pretty devastating for our pets.
0: He's looking out for the health of your pet every single day, learning continually if you're looking for a new vet for your pet, you got to check out Dr. Kevin Reed. It's wet nose Wednesday with the man you need. Hey. Dr. Kevin Reed, man's best friend, our best friend and the veterinarian of choice of the Brandon Baxter in the Morning Radio Program. Find out more at vet-care.com or search Vet Care Jonesboro on Facebook. As always, man, we appreciate you and thanks for bringing us some good news today.
6: All right. Y'all have a wonderful day. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc.
4: We'll get back to the show.
2: Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry.
0: We're joined this morning by Sarah Doss. We're here to talk about a cornhole tournament that's coming up, the first annual charity cornhole classic, which happens October the 2nd. Sarah, good morning. How are you?
4: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. I'm excited to be here.
0: Hey, we're excited to have you. We want to talk about what you're doing. But first of all, let's kind of break down uh, your morning so far. Where are you currently?
4: I am at work at First Commercial Bank over here on Windover and Enterprise.
0: What do you do at the bank?
4: I do all of our uh, community engagement. So anything from social media to events to marketing.
0: All right. So uh, how long have you done banking?
4: Um, actually, I came here fresh out of college, so I've been doing this a little under two years.
0: Well, that's awesome. So uh, I'm looking at this event that's coming up. It's the inaugural charity Cornhole Classic and it's happening at Shop Local Park. Tell me about this event and kind of why this is something that that you think people are gonna have fun with and that they should come and be a part of.
4: Yeah, well, we're very excited for this. Like you said, it's our first time to do this. It's coming up next weekend um, on Saturday the second. We're doing this event all to benefit a local organization called Rivers of Recovery. Rivers is here. uh, It's an organization that's here to provide rehabilitation to physically and psychologically injured combat veterans, which we feel very passionate about. So all the proceeds from this event, T-shirt sales, donations, entry fees, everything goes to them. So we'd love for everyone to come out and just support a local
0: cause. Yeah, Rivers of Recovery. We've had the chance to deal with Levi Crawford with mm-hmm. Rivers uh, a number of different times over the years, and just the story and the, the idea of being able to to you know fund these trips and these these soldiers being able to kind of rehabilitate themselves through um, coming back together with their friends. It's a really cool thing, and I think it's awesome that that you guys want to help with that.
4: Right? Yeah, Levi's been super fun to work with. He's been super helpful uh, with this whole event. We're going to have food trucks and live music and all kinds of great things out that night. We have people who are really good at cornhole coming and people that have, you know, maybe played cornhole once. So it's open to any <laughs> and everyone.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of my deal. I and mean, we did a, a cornhole tournament before at shop local park, which was a great setup for it. Um, but I'm one of those people who I think I can play and I'm okay right when I start. <laughs> and the more I think about it and the more mm-hmm. I try to figure it out, the worse I get as I continue to play. <laughs>
4: I can kind of be that same way, so I totally understand.
0: So I guess when you're doing this type of a uh, uh, classic, a tournament, there are some prizes that people have the chance to win just by being good at cornhole, right?
4: Right. We have some really great prizes, actually. Um, registration costs $60. Um, that covers two players and two t-shirts. Our first place winner will win $1,000 cash. Our second place winner wins 500 and third place wins 250. So we've got some great prizes out to win. Registration is online. You just go to playpass.com forward slash first dash commercial dash bank.
0: All right. And again, it's all benefiting rivers of recovery. It happens on October the 2nd, 6 o'clock, shop local park. And I think we're hitting that time of year where 6 o'clock is going to be pretty nice to be out there and play cornhole.
4: Yeah, the weather looks great. It all seems to be good. We're excited about it. Registration closes next Friday on the 30th. So we'd love for all of you just go ahead and get registered.
0: And if people want to find out more through your social media, through the bank's social media, how can they find you guys there?
4: Yeah, on Instagram, we are just First Commercial Bank Jonesboro. And on Facebook, we're just First Commercial Bank.
0: All right. Sarah Doss joins us this morning live from the bank. We appreciate your time this morning.
4: Thank you so much.
0: Brandon Baxter in the morning. So if you go back and check out today's Brandon Baxter in the morning podcast, it's the full K fine breakfast club, our chat with Dr. Shane Spites. We talk COVID numbers um, and I'll be honest, we kind of have a little bit of good news Mm -hmm. this time. We talk about that and try to uh, get the breakdown of COVID in Arkansas with Dr. Spites. Hey, the fair kicks off tomorrow, the Northeast Arkansas district fair. We had Mitch Johnson on today, all about the fair and the changes to the fair and More days to go and do the carnival. Uh, Leslie Baltz and Alan were on this morning. Alan is actually up for the USA mullet championships, Mm -hmm. and they need your vote. We live in Arkansas. We don't live in New York City or Chicago or Los Angeles. We want our local guy to win, so we as a a group, as a community, need to go and vote. And here's the thing. When you see his mullet, you're going to want to vote for it. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so simple. It's not even like you don't have to give any money. You don't have to buy anything. It's just going like a picture Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Uh, Megan Brown talks about the date night with the purpose for the hope found organization of Northeast Arkansas. We have Dr. Kevin Reed from vet care talking about uh, changes in uh, cancer medications for our pets, which is obviously great news. And Sarah Doss on a cornhole tournament coming up to benefit rivers of recovery. So a lot on the show today, it's the Brandon Baxter in the morning podcast available wherever you get podcasts. Kelly Perry. What's on TV tonight.
1: Lots of season premieres, The Masked Singer, Chicago Med, The Goldbergs, the two-hour, 41st season premiere of Survivor. 41st season of Survivor. That's a lot of Survivor right there. The series premiere of The Wonder Years Remake on ABC. Also more premieres, Chicago Fire, The Connors, Chicago PD,
0: A Million Little Things, and Jay Leno's Garage. All right, hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you back here tomorrow morning on Brandon Baxter in the Morning.